doing? You all doing okay this morning? Okay. All right. Yeah. I need you to do wonderful. It's okay business is for the birds. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I'm so glad to be here this morning. We, we were singing, and of course, I, I just love when the youth band plays. Uh, they do so well. Uh, their songs are nice and upbeat, and the lyrics are marvelous. They're not just generic lyrics out there that you don't know who they are singing about. Um, it's clearly, and because of at, at least of two of the songs, um, I heard the word kingdom, build your kingdom here, uh, these type of things. And it's about the kingdom of God, it always is. So, this morning, I want to bring to remembrance uh, some of the things that we have talked before and, and just re-bring them to the scene because we always need reminding, yes? Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you are agreeing with me. <laughs> yes, I always need reminding. And Peter thinks that we always need reminding. And Paul thinks we need reminding. And, and so I think we're in pretty good company if we think we need reminding. Um, and as I experience life more in teaching and preaching and with people, I realize that we do need reminding, and we need reminding often. Somebody said that you need to hear something seven times, uninterrupted with other messages, for you to be able to remember it. So... I think the things that I have to share today, because there will be other messages that, you, that you'll hear, I probably have to share another 200 times with you or something like that. Okay, no, no, don't walk out, don't walk out. Um, so, uh, this morning we are going to talk about the overflowing life. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared with you of the, the life of overflow. But I thought that the life of overflow might cause questions. Okay, when does it overflow? How often does it overflow? Does it overflow here a little bit and there a little bit? Or So I decided I'm going to change the title and say overflowing life and use what you call overflowing. Is that called a present participle? And use the present participle as an adjective to, to indicate that the life that God has for us is an overflowing life that is not interrupted by anything else. He wants to be overflow on a continuous, active, action basis that is the life that he has for us. He doesn't have a life for us that overflows. Okay, now brother... I'm hearing you talking about your overflow. That was 10 years ago, okay? <laughs> no, that's not the life that he has for us. A constant, continuous action of overflow that he has for us. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about this, and why I want to talk about this sort of often, is because I think that as Christians, we are settling for a whole lot less than God has for us. I'm not talking about a little bit less. A whole lot less than uh, God has for us. So, 
uh, there are some, I'll I, 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 I sidetrack here just a little bit. I pray for the brothers in the body of Christ to open their eyes. I pray for healing, that their eyes would be opened to recognize some of the single sisters that are in the body, that are beautiful, not only on the outside, but beautiful on the inside. And it seems like there is blindness among the brethren. But then somebody says, well, no, you should see the beauty of this sister, even if, if you are blind. <laughs> and I tell some of the sisters, okay, this was a little sidetrack to come back to the, to the point. I tell some of the sisters, sister, please don't settle. You don't have to settle for a jerk, a, a loser. You don't have to. You are beautiful. Wait for the one that the Lord sort of has for you. Or wait and, 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 and identify who the Lord has for you over there. That he'd be a special, righteous, mature Christian brother. Don't settle. But I believe that we, as Christians, we are settling for a whole lot less than God has for us. So, I want to uh, make that point. And then I want to make the point that God has a life for us that is a life of overflow. A life of overflow. So let me talk. I mentioned the kingdom, so let's talk about the kingdom just a little bit. Uh, there are basically in the universe, there are two kingdoms. The, kingdoms of, the kingdom of God and the, the kingdom of our enemy, Satan. And he works through other kingdoms to get his things accomplished. And God works the way he works for a, quite a bit of the portion of the work that he does is through his children to expand the kingdom of God. Yes? Yes? Okay. He is not limited to us. We just have the privilege to be part of that. It is not like we, we're working for him or we're doing something for him. We're doing something with him. Because without him, you cannot do anything for him. <laughs> uh, so, so, when somebody comes to Christ, like my brother Jay over here, he comes to Christ, then God places within him the whole potential of the kingdom of God. We've talked about these things before, right? The whole potential of the kingdom of God. But that potential is not quite developed yet. God is developing it from day to day. As, as Paul would say, from glory to glory, it is developed within us. But God has also decided in his economy that I was going to develop the kingdom of God in Jay, and Jay was going to develop the kingdom of God in me, and in Herman, and in Doyle, and in Nicholas, and so on and so forth. So that there is an interaction taking place whereby we are expanding the kingdom of God, not only in believers, but also out there in unbelievers, and in institutions and organizations. Okay? When, let us say, you are a principal of a school. Now, it is difficult, and this is just hypothetical, because... You'd have to deal with government and all these type of things, so you might be forbidden. But let us say a school. And 
you want to bring the school to the kingdom, what that means is that you are putting the school under the rulership of Jesus Christ, King Jesus. And as the school is under rulership, the kingdom has come. So, I am going to give you a definition of the kingdom of God. You've heard it before. Let me bring it to you again. Um, so that we can talk about these things that have to do with the kingdom and our walk in this kingdom and the overflowing life that God has for us. So, my definition of the kingdom of God goes like this. The invisible rule and reign of King Jesus in all areas of life that becomes visible when his children become obedient. Okay? We can talk all about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in me. The kingdom of God is in Herman. The kingdom of God is in Doyle. But does it become visible or is it invisible? Kenny, God put the kingdom of God in him. Oh, really? I can't see it. <laughs> it is not till I become obedient to God and come actually under the rulership of Jesus Christ that it becomes visible that I am part of the kingdom. Yes? Does that make sense to you? Okay. So, boom, Edna has the kingdom of God. And somebody says, a light. Oh, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now it has become visible. You have probably, if you've been Christian for a long time, and I haven't been a Christian for a long time, well, for a long time because I'm old now, but not since I was young. I didn't become a Christian until I was 25 years old. And some of you have learned the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, since you were four years old. And you've quoted that, and you've said it, and you've uh, 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 recited it. And the line where it says in Matthew 6.10, could we go to 6.10, Matthew 6.10? Uh, that line in there that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer. Thy kingdom come. That is to say, I am praying, Lord, that you are bringing your kingdom here. Amen. Okay. When the song went, uh, uh, something about, we are your church, uh, 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 the, the, the songwriter didn't mean that this church is his church, though it is. The church is his church. Amen. Okay. All the believers in the world are the church. They are his church. So, um, where was I? <laughs> yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So, what, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? When somebody wants to jump at it and say, this is what it means to me. Okay? Okay? Somebody else? 
Okay. That, 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 I, I, I'm good that. I'm good that. Uh, but so, uh, one of the things that this prayer assumes is that his will is done in heaven. Yes? Because you're asking for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? But so, the idea is, though, that if his kingdom is going to come, which it will, and it is in Doyle, out of the kingdom that is in Doyle will flow that he will do the will of God. Yes? Thy will be done. If his will is not done, his kingdom is invisible and it is not expanding. Nobody knows. Oh, I've known you for 10 years. But I have never seen the kingdom in you. I don't know that the kingdom is here. Not till he become obedient to the Lord becomes his his kingdom becomes visible. So when I'm asking God, your kingdom come, I'm asking him, God, inspire my heart in such a way. Inspire me in such a way. Compel me in such a way, Lord, that I start doing your will so that your kingdom becomes visible. So that I can influence other people for your kingdom's sake. Okay. That, that, that is the introduction. <clears throat> well, I just wanted to... I, I, I want to play you a song, if, if, if I may. I'm not good, whatever. I'm not saying that I'm good. I just want to play you a song. The song is good, but the performer is not that good. Or whatever, whatever you call such a thing. The song goes like this. Lift your vision higher than you have ever lifted it before. Lift your vision higher and you shall see the glory of the Lord. For without the progressive vision, you shall dwell carelessly. For without a progressive vision, you shall dwell carelessly. Lift your vision higher, and you shall see the glory of the Lord. So this morning, I'm just asking you, To lift your vision higher. That you might see the glory of the Lord. That you might see the glory of the Lord. Not only in your own life. That you might see the glory of the Lord. In other lives that you touch. In relationships. In your organizations. In your committee in your family, and wherever it may be, that you would see the glory of the Lord because you are not settling for mediocre Christian living. And my dear brothers and sisters, I see that all over the place with not many exceptions. So, 
Let me look what I have for you over here. We know that really the, the kingdom life is not easy because we have so much opposition in the kingdom life. We have opposition from many enemies. The main enemy being Satan, who mobilizes all kinds of forces in the world to oppose us. Um, the worldly system, uh, even sometimes the educational system, if you will. Uh, we have the, our own flesh opposes the things of God. And so it is not easy. And so we're gonna, we'll go now to... Galatians, uh, let us say 6.17, I mean 5.17, 5.17. And it says there's something like that the, the spirit and the flesh are in competition. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There is a battle between your flesh that always wants to go contrary to God and the Spirit of God. There is a battle going on. Um, years ago, I heard a story about somebody asking somebody else, well, what is the Christian life like? And the answer came, well, it is sort of like two dogs fighting within me. And then came the next question, and who wins? Well, the one I feed the most. And, and so it is. There's a fight between the spirit and, the, and our flesh. And the one that we feed the most seems to have the upper hand. Because God doesn't force himself upon us. He, he, he is willing and, and committed to work through us. But only when we yield to him. And so when we yield to him and he works through us. Hey, the spirit wins. When we feed the flesh, the flesh wins. Okay, then there's a, what I consider the ugliest list in the scriptures. And the most beautiful list in the scriptures. All in a small passage over here. With 519 starts the ugliest list in scripture. The works of the flesh. Would you put 519? For now, the works of the flesh are evident. This is evident when the flesh is working, when you are allowing the, the flesh to work in your life. This, we have talked about this, so I'm not going to just take every single one. I'm just going to give you the list. We'll read the list here. Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. There's a whole, a whole other list. He says, and the like. There's, there's more, but <laughs> that was enough. That was enough for me. When I read that list, I, I mean, I'm saying, oh, that's an ugly list. But if we go with the flesh and let the flesh have its way, these are some of the things that will pop up. I mean, I'm not saying this. I'm agreeing with it. But I'm not saying it. It's Paul who says that. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So this is an ugly list. But Paul is saying that if you go with the flesh, this is sort of what your life looks like. You say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. Okay. Maybe with words. Even with your mouth, you murdered somebody. Heresies, envy, uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, dissensions, selfish ambitions, contentions, idolatry, hatred, lewdness. What kind of deal is this? But this is what you see all around you. If we let the flesh have its way, we don't have to do any other exercises. This is where it is going. But then it goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is a most beautiful list. The fruit of the Spirit goes like love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that a beautiful list? Isn't that what you desire for? In your family? That there would be love and joy and peace? That people would be patient with one another? That would be kindness and goodness? Faithfulness and gentleness? That's a beautiful list. And Paul is promising this to us, my dear brothers and sisters. That if we go with the Spirit of God, if we submit ourselves to Him, the Spirit of God, who also led Jesus in his way. That same spirit. Then these are the things that will come out of our lives. It is the fruit of the spirit. You don't have to do anything. You just yield yourself to him. He'll provide the fruit. My dear brothers and sisters. The plant provides the fruit. Yes. But the gardener ultimately provides the fruit. If he doesn't water the plant, if he doesn't feed the plant, the plant dies, there's no fruit. The Holy Spirit is quite capable of bringing fruit to his plants. We just need to be available. That's it. So that is the life. That is more or less the life that God has for us. I say more or less because it is not just these little, not these little, sorry, forgive me, Lord. It's not this, this little list. I was going to say these little things. With the, this little list. They are not little things. If you... Um, oh, sorry. You don't, have, you don't have to go very far to look and see how much havoc there is in families. And how much, how much people would love to have this list in their family, that their family would be characterized by this beautiful list of love, joy, peace, peace. <laughs> Patience. People with some families that I'm, I'm familiar with, They'll, they would, no, they wouldn't. I was going to say, they want to kill for it. No, they wouldn't. But I mean, <laughs> by way of speaking, for some patience in this family, for some kindness in this family, for some love in this family, for some 
Some peace. How about some joy? <laughs> but you have to walk with the Spirit of God. This is it. That's it. The walk with the Spirit of God, and this is what He provides for you. Now I would like for us to look in the same book, um, Galatians 6, and look at verses 7 through 9, just to give you an additional idea of how that you can have what you truly, from deep within, desire, but there are hindrances sometimes on the way. Hindrances might be that maybe a brother or a sister, maybe somebody at work, maybe a biological brother or sister, a family, whatever it may be. Uh, and then Paul goes here to say, do not be deceived. Remember the phrases now, brothers and sisters. Do not be deceived. Excuse me. So there is a possibility here for deception. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You can mock him if you will, but he's not mocked. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to say it like this because it doesn't make sense with God. It only makes sense with human beings. But I'm just saying it so you get, you get what I'm trying to say. God will have the last laugh. He won't because he won't laugh at you when you get yourself all in deep trouble. I'm just using that as, as an illustration. He won't laugh at you. But he has the last say. You cannot outwit God. And for you to think that you can outwit God is a mockery to him. Because you can't. This is arrogance of the highest degree that you can outwit God. Who can outwit God? It's a mockery. And you, not only are you deceived, you, you, you are being deceived. So, he says, God is the, for whatever a man will sow, that shall he also reap. Whatever a man will sow, that shall he also reap. Now, does that make sense? Hello, excuse me. <laughs> you cannot sow lemons and get apples. You're dreaming. You're deceiving yourself. You know what? I want some apples. Let me plant some lemons. <laughs> See, I heard Brother Lynn laugh over here. That's what people will do to you if you say, you know what? I'm going to grow some apples. Let me plant some lemons. That's the reaction you would get. <laughs> You're telling me a joke, right? Then Paul goes on to say, check this out. For if a man soweth to the flesh, he will reap from the flesh corruption. But if you sow to this, but, you know, I love that word, but. That makes, there's a contrast coming. But if he will sow to the Spirit, he will reap from the Spirit life eternal in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let us look at that a little bit. If a man sow to the flesh, 
he will from the flesh reap corruption. Now, what does it corruption mean to you? Anybody? Just give me, give me, give me, give me a word. Give me a synonym or whatever. Ruin. Huh? Ruin. Ruin. Say it again. Destruction. That's very legitimate. Yeah. Huh? Calamity. Thank you. Say it again. Rotten. Rotten. Rottenness. Putridness. Anyways, that's enough synonyms right there. This is what we saw also, remember, in that ugly list. Yes? Corruption is what we saw in that ugly list. A few chapters, chapters back. Or actually, one chapter back. Uh, that is that list. The works of the flesh. This is, this is what he means with, this is what you receive from the flesh. It's corruption. Rottenness. If you sow to the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you shall receive of the spirit eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, eternal life, what, what does that mean to you, eternal life? Let me, let me just say, get, huh? A life that lasts forever. That's only one side of it. The other side is not the forever thing. The other side is the quality thing. Right? Right? So it is forever, but it's a quality to it. The best life there is, period. The, the, and when it talks about the life, uh, and we'll see in several places, and we have seen in several places, that when it talks about the life, many times it's used the word zoe, the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. There's also another word called bios, that we get the word biology from. And there's another word named suke, that, that, that I don't know what, maybe what we get, psyche or from, or, or I don't know. Um, but, so biology has the idea of the, the study of life. This is not the study of life, or, or the study of the uh, essentials of life. The study of the, what, what make, makes life tick. The study of what, what makes life go longer or shorter or whatever. But this is Zoe has to do with the essence of life. It has to do with the life that God himself has that he wants to share with us. Remember when we talked about 2 Peter, the, 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 the first chapter, verses 3, where it says that according as his divine power has given unto us. This is a gift by the power of God. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things, without exception, God has given us Everything that pertains to that life of Zoe, the life that he has for us, the very life that he has for us, he says, I have given you all things for that life. In other words, God has already put everything in place in you to have this life that he has for us. Overflowing life. Well, I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures like I've already given you before, but I, I bring into remembrance to you these things, right? Um, all things. And then, in verses 3 and 4 that he talks about, uh, he's given all things that pertain to life and godliness through him who has called us 
to glory and virtue. Okay, him that has called us is Jesus Christ through glory and virtue. And, and if you read in the context, it's very easy to see that he's speaking about Jesus Christ. By which we have received uh, abundantly great and precious promises. That by these, we might be partakers of his divine nature. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, how God has put everything in place. He's given you abundantly great and precious promises that by these you might become partakers of his divine nature. In my nature, I couldn't do it like that. In my nature, I have just that. We saw the ugly list that what happens with my nature. But with the nature of God, he's given me the ability, if I just submit to him, to be able to get these things in my life. An overflowing life of godliness. An overflowing life of zoe. So, then he goes on to say, having, check it out, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 I just gave you. So, not only does he this is say, we are partakers of his divine nature, and all things that pertain to life and godliness has given to, unto us, but he says, we have also an escape from the corruption that is in the world. So, that corruption that we saw over there in Galatians uh, 6, 9, is it? 6, 7, 6... Six, seven, or eight, eight, eight in there, where he says that, uh, that if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap from the flesh corruption. If you are reaping from the flesh corruption, he says, I have an out for you. I have an escape for you. I don't want you to live like that. I want you to have a life, a zoe, of overflow that it flows over in other people's lives so that they might have a, an overflowing life that it might flow over in other people's lives that it might flow over in other people's lives and flow over in other people's lives an overflowing life is what God has for us so but let us talk a little bit more, and I'm, I'm, I'm good time-wise, it looks like. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, sowing and reaping thing. So, I am wondering, I forget, but I'm wondering, what have I been sowing? Somebody remind me. <laughs> I forgot, honey. Did I plant lemon seeds over here? Or apple seeds? Or what did I plant over here? Well, honey, if you wait just a little bit, the fruit will tell you. So, I am reaping division. I am reaping unrest. I am reaping anything but joy. I'm reaping, oh, 
There is quite a bit of hatred in my heart. I'm, I'm reaping. What have I been planting? What have I been sowing? Because whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Now, I'm just speaking about my yard. Okay? I'm not speaking about Doll's yard. I cannot say, well, he sowed some lemons, and now I have to deal with the lemons. No, I sowed apples. I don't have to deal with his lemons. In a way, I may have to, but I cannot use that as an excuse that because he planted lemons, now I'm stuck. I planted apples. Okay, maybe the high colors, maybe the possums like the lemons better. Mm. <laughs> or maybe they like, <laughs> so his lemons attract possums or whatever, and so therefore I complain to him, why did you plant lemons? I just need to know that I am responsible for what I planned in my yard. Has nothing to do with Kathy, what Kathy plants in her yard. I cannot be mad with Kathy because she planted onions in her yard. Well, my eyes are watering now, but anyways. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? So you're wondering if I'm reaping lemons. What did I plant? What did I sow? Lemons. And if I sowed lemons, I will be fooling myself. I'll be deceiving myself. Isn't that what it says? It'd be a mockery for me to tell people. <laughs> hey, I, I, I did some lemons in here. I'm expecting some apples. You can stand over here if you want to on a podium. I'm expecting apples. <laughs> there will no be will not be any apples. There'll be lemons. So, uh, so this is the scenario. Now let's go to the next verse, six nine, I believe it is, and it says, "Let us not grow weary in well doing." Or while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Uh, uh, the original, well, not the original, the King James says, if we faint not, so that if we don't lose heart. So this is the idea. Let us say we're speaking about a couple uh, husband A with wife B. I better not <laughs> get an example of <laughs> the group over here. I'll get myself in deep trouble. Um, Husband A with wife B. And they come for counseling. And I say to the husband, Sir, you have been unkind to your wife. You have taken her for granted. You have treated her like a second-class citizen. You have spoken in a manner that it is unbefitting a Christian husband. And you need to do it Differently, better, like a Christian should. And he goes home. And of course, he has done this 
for so long that now the wife has become a little bit contrary as well. Yes? Is that normal? Excuse me. I mean, if, 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 if somebody has been unkind to you and talked to you like you were a servant uh, for, for, for five or seven or ten years, you know, you might get an attitude yourself. No? Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I'm in La La Land over here. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, but, but he says, but, 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 but she has, I said, no, 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 no. I'm putting the onus on you right now. I want you to start doing good, start doing well, and speak to her like you should, and treat her like you should. And he says, next week they come back. And he says, Pastor, I, asked what you, I, I did what you asked me to do. I've been treating her nice. I've been speaking nicely to her, but she's not changing her ways. Let me, let me give you the scenario. Let me give you the scenario. Okay? You have been putting in seven years of unkindness. Now you have put in a few days of kindness. You're just now right here. Excuse me. My brother, you have probably, probably another couple of years to go. But, hey, don't be weary. Don't, be, don't lose heart in doing good. Because in due time, poof, that good stuff will come out and your wife will be responding to it. Because she's still responding to the ugly one that you were before. And you want the results tomorrow? Excuse me, it doesn't work like that. You put that good stuff in the pot, baby. And after a while, it comes out. And you see results even in your wife. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> because after one week, she's wondering if you're faking it. If, you just, if it's, if it's going to last. If you just did it because the pastor said so. Or what? Let's, say, let's see if this thing is real. I'll take it with a grain of salt as to what she's thinking. But by golly, in week 10, she's, oh man, oh, this thing took. <laughs> in due season, you shall reap. In due season, now the good stuff is happening all over the place. Relationships are better. Now, just because you do what is right doesn't mean the other person is going to react rightly. Yes? Okay, that happens often. But let me ask you this. If you do things rotten, what chance is there that they are going to respond kindly versus you doing things kindly and they respond kindly. In which scenario is there a better chance for them to respond kindly? Obviously, in the second scenario. When you're kind to them, there's a better chance they're going to respond kindly. Amen. If you do rotten stuff to them, there's a good chance, since they're human beings, maybe they're not mature Christians, there's a good chance they're going to respond rottenly. 
But, my dear brothers and sisters, if you keep sowing to the Spirit, you will reap. So, let's, let's go. Let me give you a couple of the scriptures that I've already given you before, but I remember I'm reminding you, I'm putting you in remembrance. We look at uh, John 7.38, I believe. John 7.38. I think that's the one that's, okay. Check this out. Now, now you, you tell me if this is an overflowing life or not. Jesus is speaking over here. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, the, uh, an older translation would say, out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now, let me ask you this question, dear brothers and sisters. Those who believe in me, as the scripture says, Jesus is speaking, out of their belly, out of their heart, shall flow rivers of living water. Does that sound like a, a, an overflowing life to you? I mean, it couldn't be. Maybe with a waterfall, it might. But with a waterfall, sometimes, you know, there's not enough water and it doesn't go as strong. But a river, rivers of living water. It seems to me, it never runs dry. Because when the Spirit supplies it, it never runs dry. There's no end to it. He's not even talking about just one river. He's talking about rivers. He just wants you to know how much overflow there is in this life that He has for you. That you settle for mediocrity, spiritually speaking. Now, remember, brothers and sisters, I'm speaking about this spiritual life. I'm not speaking about finances or material possessions. That is neutral. God can bless you with material possessions. Wonderful. And he blessed me not with, it has nothing to do with spirituality. It could, but, 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 but in the final answer, it's not. Okay? So if you have then, have all the finances in the world, and I have no finances, then you're supposed to share with me. Not because somebody compels you to, or somebody holds a gun to your head, or something that makes you, it is because God has put it in your heart because you love that brother or sister, you're more than willing to share. A cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves everybody. He loves also a, a poorly giver. But it is not about the person that he loves or not. It is about the attitude of giving. The cheerful giving. He loves the cheerfulness of this person's giving. So, uh, the life that I'm speaking of is not money or gold or education or diplomas or uh, 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 political power or whatever else it might be. It has nothing to do with it. It is a spiritual power, a spiritual power that God wants us to have in an overflowing way that nobody can, can ever doubt that you have this life. Because it is for everybody to see. The kingdom has come. Amen. Then I give you another, another verse. And then I'll be done. Don't say amen to Lord. <laughs> uh, John 10.10. 10, he gives us here the same distinction. He says there's one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the guy of the ugly list. 
He likes to, he likes to massage this ugly list. He likes for, the, for your life to be characterized by this ugly list. But Jesus says, I am come. Sometimes people put a little, uh, they, put, they put sometimes the, the little word but over there. But I have come. Either way, it's fine. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So to have an abundant life is one thing. He says, I got more for you. More than abundant. Does that sound like an overflowing life? It sure does to me. So, but why are we settling for so much in this arena? Okay, you say, no, no, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> he didn't steal all of it. He only stole half of it. He only stole three quarters. I still owe a quarter. No, God wants to have just such freedom in the spirit of God, such power of love and joy and kindness and goodness that no matter what, it shows up. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, as I've shared in the previous message, the love that you say that you have, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Love is patient, love, love is kind. That love will always, not, I'm, I don't mean always as in continuously, but it will be always. The rest of your life will be tested. I had a wedding a week ago, and I say to them, love is patient, Love is kind. First Corinthians, the, thir- the 13th chapter, verses 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. When your love is called upon, when it is challenged, and that patience or that kindness doesn't show up, it didn't show up. It was tested. wasn't there. Is the love even there? That could be a legitimate question. Is it covered up by circumstances or whatever? Okay, fine, no problem. But that's what I'm trying to tell you is that over, an overflowing life is not bothered by the circumstances or what other people do to you. That's just a test for you to show the real love is there. Ah, husbands. Does your love get tested every once in a while? Don't be careful that, husbands. <laughs> it's being tested. <laughs> you should come to my house and see. Okay, you can't go. Okay. I'm not going over there. But I'm saying, you know, when your wife has a little bit PMS or whatever, it might get tested soon. No. Am I speaking something foolish? No, it might get tested sometimes. But brother, it must be there. You can't say, well, she has PMS, so I have also something. (laughs) No. It must be there, my brothers and sisters. It it, it counts the most when it is tested. When it is difficult. It is easy when it's easy. 
But when it's tested, that's when it's difficult. That is when it counts the most. I say one more thing, then, then I'm pretty much done. Pretty much. <laughs> um, about a husband and wife thing. It is true also for brothers and sisters. I believe that the safest place on the face of the earth for a wife should be in the arms of the husband. No ifs and buts about it. You, to love your wife like Christ loved the church, there's 20,000 things that you need to consider. We're not going to go for the 20,000 things. I just want to bring one to your attention, that it is your job to protect your wife through thick and thin, in the emotional part, in the physical part, and in the spiritual part. Amen. And my dear brothers, if you mess up, you'll be forgiven. But you cannot be slack about it. And you cannot be slack about your, protecting your sisters in the Lord. Amen. If there's a single sister, I'm, I'm, let me just say this. Is this way. Let me just back out on that. I am very protective of my sisters. I'm very protective of my biological sisters. Don't mess with my sisters. But don't mess with my sisters in the spiritual realm either. I'm very protective of them. Especially the single sisters. Because there's always guys that want to take advantage of them. Pow, pow, pow. Don't take advantage of my sister. You're going to have to deal with me. And I'm not a big guy, but I'm going, I, I call Joe over here, and this Joe over here, and this Herman over here. I say, hey, let's take that brother behind the barn. <laughs> I wish we could still do that. Amen. But we can't do it because we're Christians. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Uh, huh? Yes, 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 and, and we will. We'll give him a talking to, absolutely. So, um, so I want to impress upon you to lift your vision higher than you have ever lifted it before. Because if you will, you will see the glory of the Lord in your life. Brothers and sisters, this is, I didn't make it up. I gave you plenty of scripture to, to prove what, I, what I'm saying to you. God has more for us than we have settled for. Much more for us. And I, for one, am eager, hungry, thirsty to see it happen in every life that is here today. I want to see it in my children's lives. I want to see it in my grandchildren's lives. I want to see it in the lives of my brothers and my sisters. And I'm, I'm very gentle and very kind, but I'm very persistent. I'm like water, patient like water. And I keep going after it. My children, my sons, hey, take care of your wife. But that is, you know, I'm in the ministry. Take care of your wife. She's your first ministry. Amen. My brother, my son, if you lose that ministry, you lose all your ministry. The people that loved you so much, they're gone. Amen. Take care. Of your wife. Minister to your wife. 
She's the most important person in your life and your children. And then take it from there. And you'll have a good ministry. <laughs> because you can actually be an example to the people. Without which you're not an example. How do you teach? So many people say teaching is not so much that it's caught, that it's taught, but that it is caught. That you, you can give an example uh, about what you're, what you're talking about, what you're teaching. Not perfectly by any means, of, of course, by any stretch. Nobody's perfect. But there should be a consistency in your life to be able to show other people what you're talking about. You're encouraging me, sister. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's stand.